This is the South Bend Beat Podcast, presented by Alpha Dog Agency. Welcome to my city, bring you to my city, let you ride around my city, I can show you around my city. Welcome to my city, bring you to my city, I can show you around Welcome back city. everyone to season two of the South Bend Beat Podcast. It'll be pretty similar this season. We'll be talking to business owners from the area, along with influencers, and we'll be previewing local events, whether it's downtown South Bend or the surrounding area. But we have something a little special for this first episode of season two. We're going to be looking at the 25th anniversary of the movie Rudy. Uh, The movie's pretty synonymous with the city of South Bend. Of course, it's about the walk-on football player that comes to Notre Dame in hopes of making the Notre Dame football team. And today we're going to be talking to a couple people that have some relation to the movie. First up will be Larry DeFrew. Larry was in charge of transportation on the set of the movie and ended up parlaying that into a role as the limo driver that drops off John Favreau toward the end. He has a pretty interesting story about how he landed that role, and he has some pretty fascinating tidbits from behind the scenes of the movie. So that was definitely a fun conversation. And after that, we'll be moving on and speaking to Jim Augie Augustine. Augie runs Augie's Locker Room over near campus. Those of you from the area are no doubt familiar with it. Augie also had a role in getting this movie up and running, and he had a literal role in the movie as well. He's also spent the last 25 years seeing memorabilia and relics, hundreds if not thousands, come in and out of his shop. And to this day, he still gets people coming in and asking for any kind of memorabilia he has from the movie Rudy, of which he still has quite a bit. So enjoy this episode. It's completely ad-free. Let's go. And we're here to kick off season two with Larry DeFru who we'll get into it, but he played the limo driver in the movie Rudy. And so I'm going to just start off with this question right off the bat. What was John Favreau like? John was a great guy. Um, I met him. I uh, started work on the set. I didn't get the scene in this movie till about the 10th week of filming. I got the job working uh, as part of the crew in the transportation department. And uh, I used to drive the actors around to their hotels, pick them up, take them out to restaurants and things. I was in charge of the wardrobe trailer. Well, John didn't come on the set till later. Uh, he didn't even want to do this movie originally. And the producer and the director, uh, the same guys who did the movie Hoosiers, by the way, uh, kept going to Chicago. I think he was working up at Second City. And they, they begged him to come down. They said, you are D-Bob. You're the only guy we want for this role. And he just didn't want to do it. He had other things going on. So um, finally they said, listen, you don't even have to use a script. Just say what you want. Act the part. Please, we need you. So he finally came down. Of course, he was telling me this in between takes. We had to shoot that scene seven times. So the scene, so everybody knows, the scene is toward the end of the movie. Right. It's when D-Bob comes back to watch Rudy's game. That's right. Uh, he finds out uh, 
Well, he left to go to Miami, and he told him, if you ever suit up, I'll come back to watch you play. And then th that's what it is. So him and his girlfriend come back, and I take them to the stadium in a limo on uh, the day of the game that Rudy is going to get to you know, dress. Now, I Vince Vaughn came attached to the movie from the beginning, right? He's a huge yes, Notre Dame did. fan, and yeah. him and Favreau were already boys at this point? Or they, no? They were already what? Were they already friends? Him and John Favreau? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. So Vince Vaughn probably had a little bit to do with being able to convince Favreau to take that role too, yeah, I guess. And yeah, he might have. Um, one little interesting footnote. A lot of people, even to this day, when I tell them, yeah, Vince Vaughn was in a movie, they go, really? He was in a, what part did he play? A lot of people don't even realize that he was in the movie, and I tell them they played Jamie O'Hara, the spoiled football player. Right. And I, if you look at the credits, that was also Vince Vaughn's first movie. He goes uh, under the name Vincent Vaughn. He wasn't even using oh, Vince yet. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that was his first movie also. Now, so he ended up with a smaller role, and then John Favreau, who they had to talk into taking the role, right. um, ended up with a pretty sizable role. So give us a little bit of background of how you got attached to the movie in the first place before you even ended up realizing you were going to be in the movie. Okay. Um, a dear friend of mine was uh, president of the local Teamsters Union. Oh, okay. And he came to my house one day. He said, hey, I got a job for you. And I looked at him kind of funny. You know, I've been in sales all my life. And I said, what, I don't driving a truck or putting up cones on a toll road? What are you talking about? I don't need a job. He said, no, no, no. He said, they're getting ready to film a movie at Notre Dame about some kid that, you know, played football there. And... um I'm going to get you a job working in the transportation. I said, Bobby, I really, when he told me what they paid, I said, okay, yep, I'm there. Show me where to sign <laughs> up. I'll take a hiatus from my sales job for that kind of money. And uh, so that's, that's how I got involved in it um, was through a, a good friend of mine who was uh, running the local Teamsters Union here. So tell me how those first a uh, couple days went like were you clear on what your role was going to be when you showed up to the set um, was it a little bit bigger production than you were expecting oh, what were those first couple days like first couple days working in the transportation department as part of the crew or right. yeah first yeah, couple days okay. just on the set period um it was it, you know it was a learning experience uh, when i went in to talk to the teamster guy from chicago that was actually running the crew because we had chicago teamsters there too and told him who I was and filled out everything. And he started asking me, he said, do you have um, experience driving a tandem wheel, this and that, semi, but, you know, he's throwing out all these uh, names of trucks and vehicles and trailers at me. And I kept going, no, no, no. He goes, how'd you get this job? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, oh, my buddy's Bobby Warnock at the Teamsters. I said, he's okay. He says, I know how this works. Never mind here. You know, and he gave me the slip. <laughs> he said, you're charged of the wardrobe trailer. So I kind of had to learn how to drive certain vehicles uh, on the set. And so it was overwhelming the first few days. You know, you're learning something new. Um, but it was an experience, really. Um, so the wardrobes, was it a big, like, 53-foot trailer? Oh, yeah, 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 because the guys used to come in there and dress you know, the extras that were dressing for the football scenes. I mean, all the pads were in there, all the uh, helmets and pants and jerseys. And, in fact, um, during the movie, uh, the producers and directors, they needed names for the backs of the jerseys, so they just took names from the crew. So I've got a Georgia Tech jersey at home with my name on the back, 
that number That's 70 awesome. wore in the game. And if you look right towards the end when the Notre Dame kid intercepts the ball, runs it into the end zone, the last guy to try to tackle him has the word DeFru on the back of his jersey. And, of course, this was a 450-pound black guy. And so my dad and uncle were sitting at the game that day because my aunt worked at Notre Dame. So they had 50-yard line, and they're watching the game uh, as they were filming. And my uncle said to my dad, hey, look, Larry's in the movie. <laughs> and they go, oh, wow, I knew he was working the movie, man. He got a part. And so when they told me the story later, I said, are you guys blind or what? I said, first of all, I'm white. Secondly, I don't weigh 450 pounds. But um, so I've got that jersey at home, got a lot of autographs on it. Sean Aston autographed it, Rudy autographed it, uh, Tim Brown, uh, just a lot of the actors. And actually, I sent it to my kids out in Seattle. They, they had it framed. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Did, was most of your, uh, where you were running wardrobe around to, was it confined to campus or were there other no. spots in South Bend? No, no, you? no. I took, we took that thing everywhere. Um, we had to take it to Joe's Tavern one morning. When we filmed the fight scene in the bar, we actually filmed that scene at like 6 in the morning. We put black curtains over the windows so it would look like nighttime. Took it over to uh, near Rum Village where they filmed the scene where uh, Rudy and his girlfriend are looking for a house. Um, so, no, it, it, it that did not stay on campus, and that's why this Teamster guy kept asking me if I, <laughs> what I knew how to drive. How'd you said, do? What, did, did you have any screw-ups or did you do all right? No, actually I didn't. Uh, it was amazing, but uh, Dickie D'Angelo, the Teamster guy from Chicago, when he found out that I used to live in downtown Chicago and that I knew the city, he sent me to trips to Chicago a lot to pick up film or go to WGN, pick up equipment. And uh, that was really nice because you'd get away from the set and you could go drive to Chicago and stop and have food and that. And in fact, a lot of the other Teamsters were getting kind of mad that I was getting to do that a lot because that was kind of cush duty. And he said, hey, he says, have you ever lived in Chicago? No. Do you know your way around Chicago? Well, no, but they have maps. He says, I don't have time for maps. He says, I tell Larry, I give Larry an address, tell him go pick something up. He knows the city. I don't have to explain to him This was for before GPS. Yeah, oh, yeah. way before <laughs> GPS. Yeah, oh, geez. Yeah, we were still, you know, cowboys and Indians back then, sending out smoke signals. and Yeah, so... um but no, that 99% of that film or was filmed in South Bend area. Uh, we filmed a little bit over at Oprah Winfrey Studios and uh, over towards the steel mills. But uh, uh, we also, interesting, they filmed a huge wedding reception scene at St. Adelbert's one day. It took the entire day to film, and there must have been 200 extras. And it was Rudy's girlfriend marrying his brother. That was the scene. And they had they brought in chicken, sausage, I mean, mashed potatoes, the typical Polish-style dinner. And we filmed that all day. Uh, very labor-intensive. It, it was a wedding scene? It was so a I assume this wedding a scene reception scene. Ended up getting cut? Yes. <laughs> a lot of and work it, for a cut scene. Yeah. And, I mean, hundreds of extras, uh, an 18-hour day, easy. And... Um, so when we were done, it was late at night. There, there must have been a couple hundred pounds of chicken, sausage, everything left over. And one of the guys said, hey, why don't we take that down to the homeless shelter you know, and donate to them? He said, nope, it all goes in the garbage. We can't donate food, he says, because some idiot will claim he got sick from it and Sue tries to start pictures. Man. So 
So I took a bunch of it home. Yeah. uh, yeah. You're not going to sue. No, no, I I wasn't going to sue. No, not with the kind of money I was making working that movie. Was there any any happenings or facts that kind of went on behind the scenes that would maybe surprise some people, um, whether it was something with an actor or even what you, with the production, like that you were involved with? Yeah. I see you grinning. You can yeah. say it. Don't you don't yeah, have to be I don't shy. know. I don't know if there's if there's a statute of limitations or not. Um, <laughs> oh, let's hear I, it. I, I don't want to get it. I don't want to get sued by some of these actors. Oh, you can uh, say actor X and leave it up to the listeners to figure it out. You don't yeah. have to say any names. Well, actor X. Okay. Good start. Who everybody, you know, when they watched the movie they thought was such a great guy, wasn't such a great guy. <laughs> and was uh just really kind of rude and obnoxious and mean. And uh, actor X lost his wallet one day on the set. And uh, there was a mad scramble to uh, find it because he was already at the airport getting ready to go back to L.A. And one of the guys found it in the, uh, not the wardrobe trailer, but the makeup trailer. So he rushed to the airport. They were holding up his flight, actually, and got there. And there was quite a bit of cash in there, quite a few credit cards. And when he got to the airport, they had he was standing outside with security, and he said, here's your wallet, Mr. X. The guy didn't say thank you. He didn't tip him. He didn't offer to sign an autograph, take a picture with him, nothing. He just grabbed it, turned around, walked in. Now, I told the guy the next day, he was telling me the story, if Larry DeFru finds that wallet, he gets his wallet back and all the credit cards in there, but, gee, Mr. X, there was no cash in it when I found it. I, I don't know what happened to that. But I went to Central High School, so that's kind of how we rolled. But um, there's probably some other ones I have to think for a minute. Because there, there was always a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Outside of Actor X, was everybody pretty good to work with? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, my favorite guy was the guy that uh, played Arapar Sejan. Yeah. And he also played Father Damien in The Exorcist, the young priest. And he uh, he liked to drink. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> and... Uh, in fact, I can say this now because he's passed on, but, you know, he got booted off a flight from South Bend to Pittsburgh after a Notre Dame game. Oh, for really? Being, for being drunk yeah. and unruly. They turned the plane around, landed back in South Bend, and threw him off. <laughs> and every morning when I went to the hotel to pick him up, security had to go upstairs. And, and it was like a scene from uh, uh, where they throw Martin Sheen in the shower in Apocalypse oh, yeah, Now. Yeah. Because, he, you know, what are the charges? And it was like that every morning with him because he was just always so hungover. But then once he got to the set, and he'd be standing there on the set all day drinking, no problem. But once his <laughs> scene came up, man, it was like he, you know, just snapped his fingers and he was Nailed right. it. Nailed it. But he always asked for me uh, to drive him, and so did Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty was a great guy. And he's from Louisville, and I used to work at a radio station in Louisville years ago. It, which was the station in Louisville. The, it was the number one rock station. We had a disc jockey there named Bill Bailey who had come from WLS. So Ned and I had some common ground. I could talk to him. So he, the fact that I had lived in Louisville and worked there, and um, he always asked for me, too, and he was a great guy. Always eating. Always had candy bars in his pocket or M&Ms. Or, you know, I, I'd have to take him away from the lunch table when it was time to go. I'd, Come on, the producer's yelling at me over the walkie-talkie. we got to go, and he's still... <laughs> He's still eating. <laughs> now, I'm curious as to, so in current day, if a big TriStar-type film was coming to film here and Vince Vaughn and John Favreau and Sean Astin were showing up, it'd be a huge deal. How big of a deal was it at that point? Like, was it pretty low-key, or was, did people know it was going to be a big production? No, 
it wasn't a big deal. And it was low-key, and no one thought that this movie was going to take off like it did. And I, I read something uh, by Gene Hackman when they were filming Hoosiers. It was the same thing. In fact, Gene Hackman, I guess one day on the set, they were taking a break, and he, he was talking to uh, the actor that played the drunk dad uh, that was also in um, uh, Easy Rider. I can't remember his name now. From Hoosiers? Yeah. Yeah, the wingdinger guy? Yeah. And he said, can you believe we're doing a sports movie about high school <laughs> basketball in Indiana? He says, I, mu I must have rocks in my head for signing on for this. And then Hoosiers turned out to be a classic. So it was kind of kind of the same thing with Rudy. Uh, nobody expected it to become what it has become. It's kind of an iconic film. But you throw in the fact that there's how many Notre Dame fans all over the country. This has been any other movie wouldn't have had to do. If he'd have gone to SMU or you know somewhere else, right. this, this movie would have. Not a national you brand. You could buy it yeah. at Walmart for a dollar on DVD. Now did, how, let's answer this. How long was the filming process? Like day one, two, that's a wrap. How long were you out there? About 14 weeks. And then they actually had to come back in the spring and film a couple days over at Adams High School. They needed some shots some in the hallway school. And shot. you were there for the whole 14 weeks? Yeah. Now, would it be typical for, let's say, let's take Sean Astin, for example. Would Sean Astin be there every day filming, or would he get a day off and they'd film mm, some, some scenes elsewhere? Yeah, yeah, good question. You know, some of these actors... Didn't even no. They didn't stay for the whole movie. They they filmed their scenes. They had to get back to Hollywood. They had other projects going on, um, like the guy that played the priest, uh, good guy Robert Prosky, who also played in Hoffa and some other movies, and um, the Great Outdoors with John Candy, good guy. He wasn't there that often. He, you know, he they pretty much filmed their scenes and they were gone. It's Sean Astin was there almost every day. The real Rudy was there every day as an advisor. Um, Favreau was there most days, Vince Vaughn, um, and and the guy that played Eric Parsegian was there for almost the whole thing. Of course, he it, we what filmed about the it. The janitor. Uh, no, he. No. Um, in fact, he didn't even stay overnight. A lot of times, he flew in on a private jet, filmed the scene, and went back to L.A. He had a TV show going on at the time okay. on Fox. Um, so no, and and he was very unapproachable. Uh, he didn't want to be bothered. Man, it almost sounds like an actor X. Almost does. <laughs> so, you didn't hear that from me. <laughs> hey, call my attorney when we get off this podcast, would you please? Oh. So uh, what what time of the year was it, like these 14 weeks? Was it over summer? It started, no, it started uh, uh, late, uh, almost late fall, late September. I mean, the leaves were already, So well, we, uh, no, okay, September, October, yeah, probably... Middle of September because we were done filming. It was snowing. We filmed that that Rudy scene on two consecutive weekends: Boston College game and the Penn State game. And if you remember, that Penn State game was that exciting game where we won in the last second. It was snowing. It was November. It was almost Thanksgiving. So, um, yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons the guy that played uh, Eric Parsegian hung around is because he's a huge Notre Dame fan. Always was. And he got a chance to go to all the games, obviously. So he didn't go back to Pittsburgh. Or, uh, he actually lived in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton. And um, a little side note, he uh, won a Pulitzer Prize for writing the book um, The Winning Season. So oh, wow. he was a very talented guy. And his son-in-law, 
is Jason Patrick. Oh wow! Yeah, the the actor. So he's got a little you know history behind him. So was Notre Dame as far as like the university and students and everything? Were they were they pretty helpful or were they more of a hindrance while filming? No, they were they were very helpful and. Uh, the transportation coordinator that I worked under, the guy from Chicago Teamsters, um, you know, when you're talking a wardrobe trailer and you're talking a, a, a makeup trailer and a honey trailer and uh, all these all this large equipment and you're filming at different scenes, you know, the actors aren't going to walk across campus to fill, film a scene. So we were always having to move that around to film. And, and the logistics of it, and back then Notre Dame was a small campus, it's not like it is now, and it was it was hard to find parking near the scene, and so Notre Dame ha- had to be cooperative. Uh, we had to get permission to park in certain areas of the campus. I remember one morning we there must have been a mix-up because we were getting ready to film a scene, and we had all our equipment parked in the parking lot of the Morris Inn, and the manager of that hotel came out, and I thought he was going to shoot us all. Um, he was going berserk. Yeah, you know, get that stuff off my. <laughs> And, and uh, we were saying, hey, wait, we got permission. I don't care who you have permission. You know, so, but for the most part, they're very helpful. When the movie was over, we all got a nice letter from, um, I can't remember the guy's name now, thanking us for, for everything. So, now for those that aren't very familiar with the production of films or movies, which is most people, as far as you know, I know you were busy and running around during the 14 weeks. Was it filmed pretty much chronologically, or would it jump around and do... Let's take, for example, the football game, where they filmed at the actual stadium. Was that toward the end of the 14 weeks? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was Boston College and Penn State, which were about the last two home games of the year. And Boston College, the day I filmed my scene, was a pretty nice day. I mean, it was chilly, but the sun was out. But the following weekend against Penn State, it was snowing and cold, really cold, so... And you mentioned your scene. I want to get into that now. So at what point did you realize I'm going from driving these trucks around with wardrobe to, uh, by the way, <laughs> we need you to shoot a scene with John Favreau in the yeah. final 20 minutes of the movie? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, was, it was early morning. I mean, we put in a lot of hours. I, I'll, I'll give one thing to Hollywood. They work. When they're filming a scene, they work. There were days we put in 24 hours straight days. Um, and the morning that I found out I was going to be in the movie, it was kind of cold and chilly. It was probably 4.35, maybe 6 at the latest in the morning, and I was sitting in my truck just kind of trying to take a nap. I think we'd only had four hours sleep the night before. We were back on the set, and my walkie-talkie starts squawking, <laughs> and it was Dickie D'Angelo the teamster from Chicago, and he's, and my my nickname was Bundy on the set because they all thought I, I had bad luck like Al Bundy on Married with Children. <laughs> so I hear this, hey, Bundy. Yeah, Dickie, what's up? He said, uh, go down to the makeup trailer. I'm going to make a star out of you. <laughs> and I said, Dickie, I'm in no mood. You know, it's it's cold. We've had four hours sleep. I'm he said, no, no, I'm serious. Get down there. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, they're getting ready to film a scene pretty soon, he said, uh, and the kid that was supposed to play the scene hasn't showed up, and they're not going to wait on him. So he says, get down there. So I did, and they, of course they combed my hair over different. They put so me at in. this point your mind's racing because you don't know if you're going to have 30 lines or two lines. Yeah, I don't know what's <laughs> going on. So um, 
they comb my hair over. They dressed me up in uh, clothes at the time period, and they got me out to the set. And there's John Favreau and and the girl that was playing his girlfriend. And so the director came out and said, "This is what we're gonna do." And now, of course, the sun's coming up. Everybody's tailgating, starting to get crowded. And uh, we had an old that limousine I drove. I think they found that at a funeral home in Rochester, Indiana. I think it was about a '65 or '66. Buick Riviera limo. So he said, see those sandbags over there? I said, yeah. He said, that's where you stop. He says, see those over there? Yeah, that's where we start. And he said, see that great big camera up on the crane? Yeah. He said, it's timed to follow you. And you have to drive exactly, I don't know, 14 miles an hour. No more, no less, because that camera's timed to follow you. I said, okay, that's easy. Well, you know, we're driving, and if you watch the scene, you see it's coming from the street. It's coming down. Well, it, pe- people were out there walking around. I couldn't run them over. So <laughs> there were a lot of times I'd have to slow down or stop, and then that throw the camera off. That's why we had to film the scene seven times. Seven times. Seven how times. Long, how long did the seven takes take? A couple take? hours. A couple hours. Yeah. So how, how was how was John with all that? He didn't care. He didn't go. Oh, no. At least that's good. No, he didn't yeah. care. And that's when we had time to talk while they were resetting the camera. And, and he was telling me how this, how it all came about that he showed up for the movie about not wanting to do it and everything else. And he said, man, he said, you know, now I look back on it. He said, this is a godsend. And, of course, after Rudy, he went on to do great things. Uh, him and Vince Vaughn did the movie Swingers. and Now he's um, a big-time director. Big-time Iron Man. and uh, uh, Jungle Book. Yeah, Chef was a big one. Yeah, and I'm surprised he hasn't called me and asked me to do some scenes. I'm going to have to get a hold of him. But no, anyway, we filmed that set. So finally, after about the third or fourth time, the director said, listen, just say whatever you want to say. There's no more script. Just wing it. Okay. Well, in the movie, you know, I didn't say much, uh, but there was one line, I think, earlier in the movie where he, John says, hey, great day for an Irish game, huh, chief or coach or whatever. And I said, every day is a great day for an Irish game. And that's the one that hit the cutting room floor. I could have probably copyrighted that saying, made T-shirts and been a millionaire by now. But that's the, yeah, one, that they, that, that's the yeah. one they didn't use. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. the one that they did use, we, we happen to have those lines right in front of us. <sighs> and I think uh, – we should do a little table read real quick with the scene. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'll I, I guess I'll play the part of John Favreau. I mean, oh gee, imagine. And uh, we'll uh, we'll get going. So when you're ready, yeah. And if you want me to read these like I did in the movie, I'm not going to be very enthusiastic because it was. I think I was going on four hours sleep. We'd had filmed this thing about seven times. Well, you read it how however you want right yeah, now, and yeah. I'll try to mimic Favreau as best oh, possible. Okay. So I. You're the, you're the first one. Uh, yeah, oh, that's right. I am. Okay. Here you go. What a day for a game, huh, Coach? You bet. Yeah, go Irish. Thank you, Coach. Get you on the way back. I don't got my wallet. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> there we go. That's the scene. And I was looking at it yesterday. I think we're at like 18 minutes left in the movie. Is that sound about yeah, right? Yeah, it's like 20 minutes. Yeah, it's okay. about the last 20 minutes. Uh, and then right after my scene is when the bus shows up and Ned Beatty and his mom yep. get yeah. off the bus. And I mean, you're right in the meat of the movie. Yeah, scene. yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but um, so, yeah, so we got through filming that, and uh, one of the girls from TriStar Pictures came up to me, and she said, hi, I'm so-and-so, and she had a clipboard with some paperwork, and she goes, um, we got to get you paid for your scene. And I said, okay, yeah. 
And she goes, how do you want to be paid? And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, do you want to be paid hourly or do you want a union rate? I said, what's the difference? She goes, well, if it's hourly, it was like five fifty an hour, $5.50. She said, I said, well, what's union, you know, scale? She said, you'll get a check for 660 I said, well, you know what? I, I don't mean to be <laughs> offensive, but that's a pretty stupid question. <laughs> and I said, give me the 660 She goes, okay, well, you'll have to join the Screen Actors Guild. And I said, well, how much is that? And I think at that time it was like $1,500. Well, Dickie D'Angelo had told us earlier in the movie that all the drivers, all the people that worked in the trap, were going to get our names in the credits anyway. And I thought, hey, for 1500 bucks, I don't need my name in the credits twice. Right. So I got a check at home for $17.50 that I don't think I've ever cashed from uh, TriStar Pictures for that scene. And then when the movie came out, the only names that were in there from transportation was Dickie D'Angelo and Calvin Chin. The trans- None of the drivers got listed, which really kind of teed me off. What about like IMDb or anything? Were you, were you able to get on that, on the IMDb page? No, nope. no, I wasn't because uh, I checked that one time, and there was a lot of uncredited – if I would have just, and I'm surprised because I did get paid for that scene. Right. So it doesn't even say so uncredited. you were a paid actor for real. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So um, I tried to renew or tried to get my uh, Screen Actors Guild card recently. And uh, the, the girl in Chicago that worked there, she went out of her way. She really tried to help me. But since they merged with AFTRA, uh, the American Film, Television, Radio Actors thing, um, you have to do something now every year or you lose your card well it's been how many years since i did this movie so right. they couldn't issue me a screen actor's guild card but i'm um, getting back into voiceover work so that should be remedied here pretty soon because i like to go back back to doing some bit parts this is what i majored in in college so and after so let's say chronolog- chronologically for the 14 weeks when was your scene shot? You said the Boston College game, so that was the, it was towards the end of that filming. That was the first game that they filmed, or the second game. The first, the first Penn, game Penn State was the second game. In fact, Penn State was almost like Thanksgiving weekend. It was in November. It was cold and snowing. Yeah. Did you have to go back to driving the trucks after your scene? Oh yeah. You didn't big time everybody. Like, I'm, I'm I'm in the mood. No, I didn't even I, I didn't even for? I didn't even know if this scene would even make the make the cut. I didn't even know if it'd get in the movie. I mean, they they cut a. They cut a wedding reception scene with 200 uh, extras, and I thought, this this little thing's never going to make it, but it did. They so. couldn't keep Larry DeFru out of it. Hey, movie. powerful. It was a powerful scene. I get, I tear up when I see it. You know, I, Academy Award consideration <laughs> for sure. <laughs> now, did, did you get to have much interaction with uh, Sean Astin on the set? Yeah, yeah. Is and, in guy? fact, he is. Sean's a real good guy. And in fact, I saw him a few years ago at Corby's. He was campaigning for somebody that was running for Congress. And we got together. He took pictures with, hey, Larry, you haven't changed in 20 years. And no, real nice guy. We we inter- we interacted with the actors a lot because we ate breakfast with them. We ate lunch with them. We ate dinner with them. I mean, they had a uh, catering service on the set. Uh, and I mean, there were crab legs and steak every day. You know, these actors aren't going to eat bologna sandwiches at lunch. So, you know, they'd set up a tent or we'd eat inside the ACC. So, no, we were, we were around the actors all the time, got to be good friends. The directors uh, shut down filming for a day or two, and he rented out uh, uh, the Oyster Bar when it was down, more down by the East Race. We had a big party, brought in live bands. We had our rap party up at Gibson Steakhouse in Chicago. 
So no, there was a there was a lot of uh, interaction between the actors and 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 the crew. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and we're going to if you check out the South Bimby Instagram page, we're going to put a screenshot of Larry's scene up on there. Um, I'll try to round up the video. It's getting tougher now to get that redistributed, but this makes for bad podcasting but if you were here you'd see that we have the photo and larry's looking at it right now uh we'll have him take some photos with it afterwards but i mean makeup did a good job you're looking good in that scene i'm not gonna lie well i'll tell you that was many pounds ago (laughs) and uh my hair was all black (laughs) yeah they did a good job didn't they yeah and we're before we finish up here, we finish up with some lightning round questions. Just, yeah. Just kind of random questions that we ask, and uh, oh, good. you can shoot from the hip. Sure. We're going to start with one that I think I might know the answer to, but maybe <laughs> you'll surprise me. Your favorite downtown South Bend restaurant slash bar. Oh, brother. Yeah. Putting you on the spot. Yeah, I know there's yeah you one, are. You there's are beca- one near where we're, fi- where we're recording yes. right now <laughs> that I see you at pretty often, but yes. maybe there's one you like more. No. Um See, a lot of the bars and restaurants downtown are my customers. <laughs> so if I say one and don't mention the other, they hear this, they're going to be pretty let's upset. let's do it this way. Most recent one you were at? Linden Grill. Linden Grill. Okay. One, I, of, one of our clients, too. There we go. Yeah, Mutual and I client. also I also uh, really like the Render Bar and Grill. See, that's where I see you pretty often. Yeah. And that's just a couple doors well, down that, from where we're at yeah, right now. Yeah, they stock sake for me. It's oh, not, yeah. You have yeah. your own private bar there. I've yeah, seen I do. It. They've even got my own sake <laughs> set in there, and, and so... Uh, yeah, so they're one of my favorites, Linden Grill. Um, I enjoy the view. Um, there's a couple others, but. How about this one? Have you ever been stuck on an elevator? You know, <laughs> no, I have Okay, that's the answer I was looking for. Why? You you look stressed right now. Have you no, had a I close, was trying to have think. Have you had a close think, call? Well, yeah, one time when I was in the Navy. I was temporarily assigned duty. Me and a group of 20 guys had been sent over to the Suez Canal Zone during the October-Israeli War. I was in Naval Intelligence and Communications, and uh, we were on the USS Iwo Jima. And uh, they had us down in crew. We weren't even part of the ship's crew. We were just an independent union acting on our own. And all of a sudden, the alarms went off. And I guess the ship, had they thought they had sailed into a minefield. <laughs> so... Everybody had to go to their battle stations, and, of course, I'm down in the bowels of the ship in bed sleeping and get up, and I'm trying to find my way through that ship. And all of a sudden, of course, when you do that, they they slam all the bulkhead doors shut. So I was stuck in a <laughs> yikes in an aisleway with no way out, and I thought, if this ship blows up, that's it. <laughs> it's Titanic time. Uh, I couldn't make it to my duty station time. I didn't know where I was. And when they scramble like that, you've got very short amount of time to get where you're going because then they they close all the bulkheads. So slightly worse than being stuck in an elevator. Yeah, slightly. (laughs) Let's get a couple more in here. What is – how do you like your steak cooked? Medium rare. Medium – ooh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you're a vet in the steak game. You're no rook. No, and, you know, I I don't know where I got that from, but – my grandfather, when I was a kid, he'd cook a, a T-bone every Sunday, and he'd burn it. And he was from Belgium. And I go, what do you cook? Oh, he says, I can't eat meat, you know, medium. But he'd eat steak tartare. So I don't know. Go figure. <laughs> but he had to burn his steaks to well done. But he could, he could sit there and eat a whole pound of steak tartare. Well, let's do one more here before we wrap up. Let's, um, what 
is something on your bucket list that you're uh, maybe hoping to knock out sooner rather than later? Well, I want to I want to get into acting and do some bit parts. Uh, I've been putting it off for a long time. Um, TV, film, voice, what, or do you not even have a preference? You just want to... Well, I'd like to do all three. Um, you know, I worked at WRBR years ago. I worked at a radio station in Louisville. I covered Notre Dame football for two years for Mutual Radio. Uh, been on TV a few times, the small bit part in the movie. I'd really like to do movies. Um, and I am going to start doing some voiceover work again. Um, my other bucket list, and I don't think I'll ever do it now with everything that's going on in the world, but... Um, I always swore I'd go back to Egypt and see the pyramids again. But So you have I, seen I the pyramids? Yep, seen the pyramids, rode a camel, rode the Arabian horse. Quite the I, experience? Quite the experience. Even ran into Nancy Kissinger up there when she was she was there at the same time. It was after the October Israeli War, and Nixon and Kissinger were, I think the term was peace shuttle diplomacy. Um, I, I always, very fascinating land. Uh, we, of course, the 20 of us lived in the desert for a while when all that war part was going on. Uh, there's nothing like the desert at night with a full moon. I mean, it's just fascinating. You watch Lawrence of Arabia, and it's just that's how it was. But I don't want to die in a in a bus explosion or, a, <laughs> you know, tourist, you know. Well, maybe whatever. you and uh, John Favreau go over there and shoot a movie or something. Yeah, huh? yeah. Oh, and that's the Bring other Vince thing. Vaughn with you. We're supposed to have a big party this year, 25-year reunion of the movie. And if Favreau shows up, I guarantee you I'm going to get some bit parts in this next movie. Yeah, I mean. That's, I mean, that's a given. Yeah. Yeah, I think 25 years, it's a big deal. It's why we're doing this podcast. I think I'll be there. I made him and Vince Vaughn who they are today. They owe me. <laughs> yeah, make sure you tell them that. <laughs> All right. So we will um, remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can do it in um, the podcast app on the iPhones. Uh, you can go to iTunes, Google Play Store, southbendbeat.com, or at southbendbeat on all social media. Um, we'll post some more tidbits and photos with our discussion with Larry on there. And remember to subscribe, rate, and download. And on this next little bit you're going to hear, we're going to be talking to Jim Augustine of Augie's Locker Room. So between Larry and Augie, you'll have quite a bit of Rudy talk today. And we hope you all enjoyed it. Larry, thanks for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks very much, Kyle. And we're here for part two of this 25th anniversary of Rudy episode. We're here with the man himself, Jim Augie Augustine. We're actually recording this in Augie's locker room, which is always quite the sight. How are you doing, Augie? Doing well. Looking forward to this. So you have an immense amount of history with the movie Rudy. Let's start with, um, so you're a former teacher. Yes. And I know you've mentioned that's where you met Rudy. That's how or I met Sean him. Aston. No, the it was the real Rudy. Rudy. It the was real the real Rudy. Rudy. So let's hear that story first. Well, I was that. I was on my way to an MRI in, in Michigan City, Indiana. Um, I was listening to a Christian radio station, and uh, they were interviewing this guy. This was early '90s. They were interviewing a guy talking about uh, his passion for Notre Dame, the one play that he was in, 
there's going to be a possible movie. Um, and, and so it, it really got me interested uh, since I've been a lifelong Notre Dame fan. And uh, this was just a really interesting story. So uh, when I got home that day, I called the radio station and um, or later, I don't remember exactly the time frame, but I called, left a message. Could you... Uh, could you give me Rudy's number, this guy named Rudy, his number, because he lived in South Bend. And I never heard back. Uh, and finally, I called them again and said, you know, I'm interested in, I'm a teacher, would like to have him come in and talk to my class. Very inspirational, uh, you know, story. And so they said, well, I'll tell you what, we can't give you his number, but you give us your number and we'll have him call you. Well, I thought, well, that'll never happen. Well, lo and right. behold, Rudy calls me. And uh, I tell him what what I'd like to do is have him speak to my class and, uh, uh, you know, in in the library. And so I said, you know, could you do it? He said, yeah, I'd be glad to do it. Well, believe it or not, Rudy came in. I was teaching at Grissom Middle School at the time. He came in and uh, spent at least an hour, two hours with us. Can't even remember. uh, Talking about this movie talking to the kids, uh, how it's it's going to be uh, filmed in the next year. And of course... So this predated the movie. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that part. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I didn't either. I mean, I didn't realize that, you know, this was just a uh, an, an idea this guy had. And, right. and he really didn't have, you know, the permission yet from Notre Dame or, or, or you know, the production studio. Anyway, long story short... I was coaching football at the time, and um, he said, I'm going to need coaches. I'm going to need to choreograph certain scenes. Would you like to help us out? And so long story short there, I I was hired to come on set, work with a guy by the name of Paul Bergen, who did, in fact, choreograph. He was the main uh, coach and choreographer for all the football scenes, and I got to go behind the scenes and actually coach some of the actors but these actors were players. They were semi-pro college, high school players who they brought in from all over the area to play. And so, and, and so I did get to coach then and behind the scenes. So let's go to, um, right, right. I guess when you find out the movie's going to be made, right. um, how did you get that information? And did you know that it'd be as big a production as it ended up being? It's interesting. Um, we actually had at the during the school year we gave out uh, what we called uh, Grissom dollars, and uh, kids could earn money uh, for an auction. Rudy agreed to come in and auction off. He had a condo uh, across street here from uh, from campus, and he agreed to hold a, have a pizza party for whoever won. And so the kids that won, there were about eight or ten of them. We all went to this pizza party at Rudy's. That's when he started talking about there's going to be a movie. We need uh, people to come in, sit down, extras to sit down in the stadium. And uh, it's all going to start to take place in the next few months. And that's when we found out. So he announced it. Well, he, he announced it to us and, the, and several students. And a lot of those students are in the movie. So you so you knew about the movie before Yeah. I mean pretty much everybody. Yes. And then so at that time in your head are you thinking this is going to be like a small, you know, kind of an indie film? Did you know it would be like this big no studio idea. film? No idea. 
And then when we're on the set, and I and I started to recognize names, um, like I, I would have never have known who Vince Vaughn was. Right. Um, tr- um, Jason Miller, I knew from The Exorcist. He was the priest that played the young uh, priest at the in The Exorcist. He he played Era Parsegian. Oh right, yeah. We yeah. were just uh, so in the previous conversation, we were talking to Larry DeFrew who was the transportation manager, and he said that that was one of his favorite people on the set of the movie. Yeah, was a great guy. Um, I, I didn't. Uh, I guess I did meet several other actors and actresses who I didn't really know at the time would go. John Favreau went on to make oh he's, make it big. he's huge now. Yeah. yeah, but got to hang out with Sean Astin, who was just the nicest guy you ever want to meet. He seems like he just he, seems like he, a good he's. Dude. We were just with him. We have a picture of him. We were just with him uh, a few weeks ago. My son and, and I. We'll post this on our Instagram. The yeah. picture. we're looking at it right now. It's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty cool. He was so excited when he saw we brought stools and and the Rudy coats and he said Gra-, he he grabbed a Rudy coat and he put it on right away and he he told the photographer he says hold on hold on we got to get up on these stools because we thought we'd just that's this stool right next to us. Yeah. Did he sign? He signed this. He signed that this. photo. Yeah. So we're yeah. looking at a stool that says, uh, I can do it, coach, signed by Sean Astin. Again, we'll get this photo up, too. Yeah. It, it's. I would encourage you to come down to Augie's locker room and check it out. It's, it's pretty cool. It was fun because he, he, you know, everybody wanted to talk about Goonies and all these other movies. Right. But he wanted to talk about Rudy. And so there's a line of people waiting to talk to him. And he doesn't want to, he, he wants he wants to keep talking. And we kept saying, Rudy, there's... <laughs> Or Sean, there's people. There's Sean. There's people behind us. They want to talk to you. They went, no. He's just a few more minutes. Just a few more minutes. He gets so to escape the Goonies gets, and Lord of the Rings. He for a does. While. He does. And <laughs> you couldn't have asked for a nicer guy in the world. And he said he promised me he would come to the store because he's heard about us. And I actually told him if you come to the store, I've got a gold stool I'll give you because he collects his props, his movie props. Oh, really? Yeah, he's got a major collection of movie props that that he collects. So, we've got a gold stool to give him. So, we're trying to we're trying to get make sure he can get here. So, I think even he uh I think even his head would be spinning a little bit coming in here with all the Rudy stuff you have in here. He he might be trying to leave with most of uh, them. Thank you. Well, that's all right. It's, it's Sean Aston, who cares. <laughs> so, the movie gets going. Um it probably became evident pretty quickly that it was going to be a little bit bigger production than you expected? Yes, because they would. They even asked me one day, they said, um, do you want to go to Chicago and shoot with us? And I said, I can't. I, I'm, I'm back at school because I had to take days off from school to do this. Right. And uh, they, they sometimes worked around my schedule. And so, but yeah, it was kind of neat because they were going back and forth from Chicago, Joliet, to right, South right. Bend. And um, and then the the whole setup was so professional. They had huge trailers and semis. They brought in props, and actually, you know, took uh, helmets and painted them for the movie, and showed showed the managers painting the helmets. So, did you spend quite a few days on set then? I did. I spent oh, I'm, I'm guessing maybe ten or fifteen days. And what was that time uh, typically like? Like, it, it, what were you up to? Just constant repetition, repetition, really? repetition, and and I was, uh, you know, I've got pictures of me and Sean Aston ready to run out of the tunnel as you know I'm in my coaching uniform, uh, and so he and I are standing there talking, and um, 
And so I said, can I run out first this time? Because it's like the 15th <laughs> yeah. time we've run out. Can I just run? He says, and he laughs. He said, no, we got, we got to have Sean run out first. But, um, and, then, and then we go to the premiere at the Morris Civic. And it's, it's funny because you, you think about how many, I don't know, what do you think? 800 to 1,000 hours of filming, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, at least, yeah. And they cut it down to what, an hour and a half right. or whatever. And so I'm sitting there waiting and to see me, I'm not in one scene, not and, one scene. And that's interesting to say that. So when we were just talking to Larry, he said he remembers vividly one like full 18-hour day where they shot a scene for like the reception of Rudy's brother's wedding yeah. to Rudy's ex-girlfriend. Yeah. He said, obviously, yeah. none of that ever made the movie. Right. They spent 18 hours yes. on that scene, just yeah. left it on the cutting room floor. It, and that happens. And, and see, when the reason why this... this uh, quote here i had him write was i can do it coach rudy we were laughing because the day that we filmed that one scene lasted it must have lasted for about four to five hours and 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 they kept trying to put a his his, uh stunt double in to take the hits and and he he kept saying no i don't i says i don't i want to take the hits i want him i can do it i can do it (laughs) and that's where this he was really saying and and he actually had lived that line and really? so yeah he had lived that line and so he stayed he stayed in there and took a beating and i mean i mean he was really taking hits but he enjoyed every minute of that and so sean Aston, you know you know just to sit and talk to him is 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 just so so much fun just to hear him talk about the movie and it sounds like he's still a huge fan of the movie oh he yeah. re- he really is and uh so what what kind of scenes were you in had they had been had they made it to the movie well sideline scenes like I look at the sideline, like coach. And, yeah, yeah. I, I look at the sidelines, and there were a, a, any number of us coaches, maybe six or eight, sometimes maybe ten. So was it all like other local coaches? Yeah, it was local okay. coaches, and then some. Paul Bergen's uh, two sons are coaches, so they came okay. in, and then his son played the quarterback. Uh, if, if his name may have even been on the back of his jersey, Bergen, I don't remember. Okay. Um, so I would say sideline scenes and then running out of the tunnel. Right. Because we spent, you know, one whole day running out of the tunnel. That's crazy. I, and then it's not even on, it's not even there. It's, uh, but you, you know. did, you, I did see a couple photos here. So you had some family that did make it into the movie. Uh, yeah. My son, yeah. my son, Andrew, he was sitting with Mary at the booster table talking to her. Uh, when Rudy walks up and he signs up for, you know, the booster club. And when John Favreau had sent him over there, right? I, possibly, yep. that's and true. And he, he says, oh, oh that's helmets. me. Oh, that's yep, me. Yep. Yeah, I can I can do so that. So that's you know. your son at the table That's there. my son there. That's pretty Andrew. cool. Yeah, Andrew came in from Bloomington to do those scenes. And so, and that was an all-day thing, just to do these, you know, these little scenes. It was amazing. Um, it was interesting to see the, there must have been six or eight semi-trailers of props, you know, clothing, bicycles from that from that time period. Uh, they actually had um, um, makeup artists. They had professional makeup artists that were lining people up and making us, they were cutting hair to make it look like the 70s. And and this is when you realized this is a bigger production than I thought. It, uh, yeah, <laughs> all along I kept thinking. And then when they started serving orange roughy and steak, <laughs> I'm thinking, I got to get into this. <laughs> I got to stick around here a little more. You know, and uh, but it, it was it it was a lot of fun, and and uh, it it certainly put South Bend on the map. You know, so 
take me around the excitement of when it actually released. So it was um, 25 years ago, I think, like October 13th, Possibly, I believe yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, was that a pretty big deal locally? Yeah, it was huge. Were you excited to see it, I'm guessing? Yeah, Ned Beatty came in, and wow. all of them, all the actors, actresses came in. And actually, we were sitting, um, uh, my wife and I were sitting in the balcony with the coach that played, <clears throat> the coach that was the uh, uh, Joliet Catholic coach. Okay, yeah. And Rudy, the the boy Rudy, mm-hmm. um Whose name I just can't think of right now, but but yeah, he was there. He sat sat he and his family sat with us there, and um, so we we met all the all the actors and actresses, and it was just a big affair. And then we went over to the um, to the uh, Century Center and had a big dinner, and um, it was just it was really great just to That's hang awesome. out with people. Uh, I was in awe, you know, it was just fun. So for you, so Augie's locker room, two thousand seven. Is when it opened? 2007, and yes. And you, by this time, so we're talking early to mid-90s, were you you were already collecting and whatnot at that oh, point? Oh, I've been collecting yeah. since so I you, was a kid. Yeah. So. so you, did you have a sense that um, maybe I should try and nab some Rudy stuff, or was that not even going through your mind at that point? Well, oh no, it was going through my <laughs> mind. I mean, uh, listen, I was uh, I was looking for things, and, I, and having met Rudy, the real Rudy, he was he was saying, Augie, I'll get you some things. You just let me know what you want. Let me know. And I kept saying, I want your uniform. Yeah, yeah. I want the uniform. <laughs> he says, Oh, I'll see what I can do. Because there must have been oh five or six of those. Right. I never I never did get those. But he says, I'll get you some jerseys and some pants. And he got me a couple helmets and um, some jackets and some things. And uh, and so I I said, you know, these are you know mementos that I will cherish. You right. Know? And um, so I do, and and so if you come to my store, you'll see some of these items that are on display that oh, aren't, they're not for sale. It's so. unreal. It, yeah, I mean, just again, this makes for bad podcasting. But if you guys were here, just within an arm's reach of where we're sitting right now, we have the Joliet actual jersey that he wore. Yes, so that'd be uh-huh. in the first few scenes of the movie. Yeah, um, we have some Rudy feature film hats. Uh, we have the Sean Astin signed stools around us. We have the picture with you and Ru- uh, Sean Astin and your mm-hmm. son. We have. I've an- got a script, a couple scripts that are original hanging scripts. Here. Original Very scripts. Very cool. Your, by. your jacket that you just showed me before we started yeah. recording that. Yeah. That's slick. They gave us each a jacket, a coat. The players and the coaches got coat. Uh, you know, I guess it would be called. Uh, um, Production coats? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, and I saw, and you showed the uh, cinematographer. Yeah, cinematographer. So so take me through transitioning from teacher to opening Augie's locker room. Um, Originally, so were you over in that smaller building across the street? I was across the street next to what used to be Main Street Pub. Right. And um, yeah, just a 600 square feet, trying to squeeze everything in there, looking for a bigger place. Um, What, What made you make the decision to open that? To open well after I after I retired from teaching I I wasn't ready to sit down yeah. uh, I just I bored just yeah. well just wanted to do something fun yep. and stay with sports and love my love of Notre Dame you know it was a it, it, it was an easy decision to to open up a store and a lot of this stuff I had been investing in not just collecting but investing in thinking you know I may I may open up a store. Right, and so I've so got you a, already had a ton of stuff. I had a lot opened. of stuff, and I continue to collect. 
it's a little out of hand right now. Well, I know. It's a little crazy. So if you opened in 07, I I moved here in 08, and I I went in probably within my first two weeks of living here. Did you? At that point. So you would have been at most a year in. Yeah. And it it was pretty full over there. You had had quite a bit of stuff. Yeah, Yeah. we, we had stuff on the floor practically. From every inch of space we used, uh, except for the ceiling, we had everything <laughs> full. I mean, it was just crazy. So it was nice to open up over here. It's um, yeah, and more space over here. And if you're a, if you're a sports fan, and more specifically a Notre Dame fan, you mm-hmm. can easily spend hours. You in could. Here. You could. People say they they come in here and they walk around and come back and they say, "Where'd you get? When did you get this?" And I said, "Well, I've always had it. You just <laughs> you never saw it the first time." So. Um, how how often do you hear, um, whether it be game weekends or just someone stopping by, um, what do you have from Rudy? Oh, people love the fact that not only do we have Rudy, but we've got props from Rockney All-American that was made in 1940. And so people come in to say, you know, to see other props from other movies. And I'm a prop collector myself. It's... Um, it's always I just think it's kind of interesting to to see items that were presented in movies and especially sports movies. And you have, I just, you have the whole section back here. The Notre Dame goes to the movies, kind of your feature. It's film, pretty much where yeah. we're sitting right now. Yeah, and it is. Yeah, I yeah. mean all I, kinds of stuff. I mean these are jerseys hanging right here that are from the movie Rockney All American, and I come I find out that these were actual Notre Dame jerseys they used. Really? Yes, and. Um, and here's a here's a um, a movie poster signed. It has Pat O'Brien and Ronald Reagan's signature at the bottom um, from the movie Rock uh, Rock Neil American. So not not just Rudy. I mean, we we I love to have these kind of things in the store. And, do you still uh, actively seek items? Yes, I do. But Rudy or other boy, movies? it's drying up. You Is cannot it? get. You just can't get this stuff anymore. Really? No. I mean, I go online and try to find any of this stuff from the movie, and um, it's just impossible nowadays to find anything. Probably a decent amount of fakes. I, you know, I'm not sure if it's fake. I mean, it's it's you know, it's it's hard to fake cer- certain items from a movie. Right. I, you know, you can't fake these. These gold and blue stools, you can't fake that because ninety six, ninety seven, Notre Dame sold them all or most of them from the locker room when they had their auction. And um, it, it, believe it or not, I was very much uh, interested because I, I knew that Rudy, Sean Aston, stood on this this stu- one of the stools in the locker room, and so I sought those could've out. This one. I could have. I, I sought those out. Now. Know? So 93, the movie releases, at what point did it really pick up to where this is like, okay, this is like an all-time classic movie? Was it right away or did it take a little bit of time? I don't think it was. I, I, think, I think it was an inspirational movie at first. I think it was just a good movie. Uh, but the Notre Dame haters were still out there, which they always will be. Yeah. And, and of course, I, what I've found over the years is the Notre Dame haters even like this movie now. Right. It took them a long time to realize, <laughs> you know, but I think it had a lot to do with the success of the actors who went on to become, you know, very, very prominent, you know, people in in Hollywood. Especially together. Vince Vaughn you and think, John Favreau made I mean, a lot of movies together. Exactly. You think about, you know, how popular a lot of those, those people are today. And... Um, 
Yeah, so I, I just think it had a lot to do with the success of some of these actors and actresses, yeah. So at the at the time, um, I think it was either Vince Vaughn's first movie or one of his first movies. John Favreau probably wasn't a huge name yet. So it wasn't too much of a starstruck situation at that point. It was just kind of like you were showing up to do your job. Exactly. And I think, you know, again, had I known these yeah. guys, I would have been out there with all kinds of things getting yeah. signed. But I... <laughs> I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't uh, a visionary at that time. So you know? when I guess even from when you opened in two thousand seven to now, so basically the last decade, um, is there a certain I guess aspect or vertical of Notre Dame memorabilia that is sought out more often than others? Whether it be helmets, whether it be Rudy memorabilia, is there something that you're like I can almost always be assured I'm going to be able to move these. Hard to say at times because it's all, it it just depends on the certain individual. But yes, the the helmets that were used in the Shamrock games, okay, and yep. and the gloves, those seem to be on everybody's wish list. You know, those particular helmets are rare. The gloves are rare. Um, but when it comes to Rudy, everybody everybody still wants an autograph. Sean Astin and or or Rudy. Which which one uh, do you think is more sought after, Rudy's or uh, Sean Astin's? It's a toss up. At, at times it's Sean Astin, at other times it's Rudy. So and Rudy signs a lot. I think he probably signs a lot more of, of the right. Rudy stuff. Sean Astin signs a lot of things from other when he goes to comic cons or whatever. He signs a lot of items. I'm not sure when we were at this comic con in Indianapolis several weeks ago. I'm not sure I saw anybody with anything Rudy. It was all the other getting signed. Lord of the Rings, Goonies, yes, Stranger yes. Things. I, yeah. I, I, th I have a feeling that we may have been. That's why he got so excited. Yeah, he did. He did get <laughs> he excited. He got to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. How how rare are items that have been signed by both of them? Um, kind of. You know, they're rare. I mean, it's not something that they've been to a now. See. I had some things signed by Sean Astin that I could have taken to Rudy at one time and vice versa. Right. Um, but it was kind of limited at this at this event that I went to because it wasn't cheap to get a signature. Um, you know, so I wanted to make sure I got the the special items that like the, the stool signed and my boys each got stools signed. And so um yeah, it was a it, it was a fantastic uh experience to get things signed uh, by him. Do you still watch the movie? Very often. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I, if I see it's going to be on, I'm thinking, ugh, I, I it's sacrilegious if I don't if yeah. I don't watch it, you know. So I watch, I do watch it, and I keep thinking at some point I'll see me, but yeah, I, maybe like an extended cut one. I, of these I times. never, I never do. Maybe so. you know, maybe when they back when they released DVDs, they always had bonus footage. They did cuts. Yeah, maybe snuck onto there. I don't know. I might I have know. to do some research. I don't it's know. another excuse to watch more Rudy. I look different now, so maybe yeah. I would. I probably wouldn't even recognize myself. So, who's so, that fat guy? I'm saying. <laughs> Wait, that's me. Is there any other, um, you know, like interesting tidbits or stories from the movie or filming um, that people that weren't involved with it may not know? Uh, that's, that's, that's interesting. I, um, I do know that in sitting down and talking to Rudy, he shared some very personal experiences with his family and people say, oh, it's all Hollywood fake. Well, let me tell you something. It, it isn't as fake as everybody thinks it is. He, You're he, saying the storylines in the movie? He had a tough upbringing yeah. with a dad who was tough. His dad was passionate about Notre Dame and he 
he was, you know, adamant about the fact that they were going to watch Notre Dame games. And, um, and yes, Rudy's, Rudy's buddy was, was killed. And uh, it did help him make his decision to come here. Now, as far as some of the the, the, the Hollywood hype, I'm sure I've heard that they didn't put their jerseys down and tell the coach, you know, we're right, not, you know, right. that's what I've heard. And, and, and I think Rudy even admits that, that, you know, some of the things that, but he, he was um, pretty despondent when he got turned down. I know he, I remember him saying that he still had his letters of um, denial of not being able to get in. He did show me a check that he got for the right, the rights, uh, Rudy didn't make very much off of this movie at the beginning. Uh, it was later when he started getting royalties and residuals and things like that. And so, you know, he's you know he's out there now making big bucks. Right. You know? And now he can be a speaker in appearances. He's a speaker, yes. So let me ask you this. Do you know, was he, at least initially, um, now I'm sure he's fine with it, initially was he okay with how the movie i know he was an advisor on set right he was pretty much he was, yes so was he happy with the final product you know i'm not sure i assume he is i i, I with the success i i would assume he would probably say yes I, I was very happy and it puts i mean it puts the character of rudy in a yeah good light the entire movie really. right it, it does and um no, I th- I think he would probably say you know he's happy with his. I I know that when he does sh- uh, book signings and autograph sessions, he's he's pretty cordial, pretty nice. Um, he's got that one side to him that you know is a little ornery at times, uh, but you know, but uh, no, I I think he's I'm, I'm sure he's pleased. Does he still have a home here in South Bend? I I don't where does he live? Think so. He lives. I think he lives in in Vegas, okay. from what I understand. And he does a lot of private signings there. So like pre production up to the movie, he was living in South Bend. Yes, I, I, I didn't as, know. That. As I understand, yes, yeah, I didn't know that. Yes, That's cool. Yeah, he uh, he was. Yeah, he had he had several jobs here, which he. He just kept, he just kept moving from one job to the next, trying to get this movie going. And right. I, I think he had a hard time keeping a job myself, because he this was his goal, and he wasn't going to stop until he got it. And so, um, you know, he's he's an interesting guy. He really is. Let's do your three favorite Rudy items under this roof right now. Well. Um, the item that's probably not with me at this moment. Yep, I let's hear sure, it. Is 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 the script, the original script, okay. signed by all the you know production, the uh, on spa, Puzio directors, writers, uh, Favreau, uh, all of them. That's awesome. Yeah, and it was, and, and you know. Not having Vince Vaughn on there, though. I got to get Vince Vaughn on there someday. But having them all well, on there, you know. There's rumors that for the 25th anniversary, I think the Pit Weekend, a lot of them are coming back. I've heard that. I've heard that. So you might need to uh, yeah, see if you can track I've just, down. I've, maybe you know, Vince Vaughn will come here. I would love that'd that. be perfect. That would be great, wouldn't it? But uh, that's a great piece. I, I also think, you know, uh, just just having uh, the the stool that that Sean Aston signed. Yeah, this is really cool. Um, right you know, I can do it coach because again, that was that was his line for the day. You know, I can and do it. And you have a personal connection to that line. Yeah, too, that was that's cool. And in my jacket, the jacket they presented us 
you know, with that uh, says, you know, we were part of the production. Was that and, toward the end of production when they yeah, it was after. Yeah. It was after? Yeah, it was after. Um, I was back in school when they actually called me and said, hey, we got your coat. Come and pick it up. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was it was neat. I did, I wasn't even expecting it. So because I was only part time, I wasn't a full time coach on set, and so um, but it was nice to get that. It was is that they appreciated what I did. Um, yeah, I may have changed. I may change my mind down the line, but <laughs> I I would say those are pretty important pieces that I I enjoy having. You know and. Uh, as far as Augie's locker room, still going strong. It's, I feel like you're uh, growing the collection every day. Yeah, you're over here, what, probably a couple blocks from campus. Yeah, 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 we're right just east of campus, and I think we're um, pretty popular on game weekends. Oh yeah, it yeah, gets, it gets crazy. Yeah, it's it's a it's fun. People, in fact, I noticed that a lot of people put us as one of the. Uh, you know, places they want to visit when they come to town now. They, you know, they say, right. we, and people tell them, you got to visit Augie's locker room. Right. And so it's a destination that most people seek us out and want to come in and look at this stuff. I, I mean, I, if you think about it, there's, I can't even begin to tell you how many tens of thousands of things that are in this store. Oh, it's, it's just hidden away. <laughs> Some things are just absolutely, you know, and here's Amazing. a situation that how often does it happen? Because you, I'm assuming a lot of people fly in for the games, yeah. and then maybe they see stuff they want for the house here. Do they then like ask if you can ship? Oh it yeah, to them? I ship. Uh, the only thing I'm reluctant to ship is glass, large okay. pieces of glass sign uh, or uh, framed pieces. Glass is always vulnerable, no matter how much you wrap it and stuff. And you have an eBay store. We do. Augie's locker e room. eBay store website. Yeah, we ship and uh, and you know we. Uh, you know, we don't mind uh, people, you know, just coming in and and bartering with us. Right. You know, you talk, you don't like the price, come in and talk. Yeah. You know, you can't do that, that at the bookstore. Exactly. Or Walmart, you know. And for the locals, too, are you going to be at the mall again this Christmas yeah, season? Yeah, we're there all, all of December. Okay. Yeah. So the way we usually finish these things out is a few lightning round questions. Okay. And uh, I know you have no prior knowledge of these, so let's get to it. Favorite area restaurant? I don't eat out very much, but if you were going to, where would it be? Uh, probably probably Rocco's. Rocco's. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we know the Verderamo as well. It's actually family. Yeah, it's uh, family. It's a uh, that's a good place. Yeah, it is a good place. Now, Amadeiris. Do, do you do you travel much? I go to Florida. So, favorite city? You can't say South Bend. Would it be a Florida city or it'd be somewhere else? Tampa. Tampa. Yeah. The yeah. beach. Yeah, it's a nice place. Yeah. Um, have you ever been stuck on an elevator? No. No. Not even a... Would would it freak you out if you were stuck? Yes, I, I, I am uh, claustrophobic. claustrophobic. Oh, yes, I'm very claustrophobic. Yeah. In fact, when I started out this interview, I said uh, I was going for an MRI, mm -hmm. and I, I really was freaking like out because <laughs> I am I'm right very now. claustrophobic. So do you ride elevators? Oh sure, that doesn't yeah, really. I don't. That that really. Yeah, can't, that's yeah. interesting. I don't step foot on them. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I maybe I'm not as uh, you know. Uh, but paranoid. Plane, planes and stuff, you're okay. With? I, I'm okay with yeah, planes. Planes are oddly enough. It's tough. It's tough for me on a plane. It really is. I don't know why, but in elevators I can handle. Yes. Yeah. I'm, you know? I'm the inverse, which makes that's, even less that's, sense. That's odd. Yeah. I'm, Let's do um. What's one more good lightning round question? Um, in. Let's make it within your vertical in the memorabilia collection. Um, 
what's one way of going about things or one piece of advice that you see that's pretty prevalent that's like not a good idea? Um, basically something to avoid for those that want to get into memorabilia collection. Uh, first of all, autographs have become um, suspect. Okay. There, there's a lot of fake counterfeit autographs out there. 99% of what you buy from Notre Dame autographs are not faked. Um, it's just not something that people are faking. You know, Montana, possibly, maybe. He would be probably the only one. Right. Uh, but when you get outside of Notre Dame, and I can pretty much authenticate or uh, probably most Notre Dame autographs. Once you get outside of Notre Dame, though, I'm lost because they say there's so much out wild, there. Wild, wild west. Everything out there is, you know. And that's why you have these companies that are making so much money, PSA, JSA, Beckett, authenticating everything, telling you it's no good or it's, suspect it's not, it's not or, cheap to get a coa is it and it's not and if you pay a hundred hundred and fifty dollars and they tell you no it's no good you don't get that money back yeah, right you know yeah. so that's happened to me really yeah yeah i've taken a couple mantles in um and and they said we're not sure it's real we're not so sure i'm looking at a mantle to my right that one's real well to be honest with you i got it signed so you could tell psa or jsa that it's i got it signed but that there's they say Oh, we hear that all the time. Right. So even that is, I, I you know, that's tough. It's tough. Man. Yeah. All, all right. right. Well, we want to thank you for your time today and the stories for Rudy's 25th anniversary. Um, I want to remind everybody, um, AugiesLockerRoom.com, Augie's Locker Room on eBay, um, and Augie's Locker Room on Facebook. We'll put the links in our show notes. And uh, again, Augie, thanks for letting us come in here, look around at the stuff. Hope you had a good time. It was fun. Thank you. I appreciate it, gentlemen. All right. Thank you. We'll see you. Bye. This episode of the South Bend Beat Podcast was brought to you by the Alpha Dog Agency. Special thanks to Truthwork Media for production. If you'd like to sponsor on a future episode, email info at alphadogagency.com.